Welcome to the Word of a King podcast. It's where culture clashes with our calling, where preaching is more important than popularity, where we rightly divide and properly apply the scriptures, where we put to rest common and controversial issues. We do this by looking to the Word of a King. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding. Amen, amen. Welcome back to another episode of the Word of a King podcast. I am your host, Chad Reese, pastor at Lighthouse Baptist Church. And with me, of course, is my faithful co-host, Brother Brian Beam. Brother Brian, you like how I added faithful there? <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> I don't, there's no right answer, right? I can't say yes and then say yes, I'm faithful. I say no. I, okay. Oh, man, what a way to start. Air this. See, this. Yeah, this is going live, brother. We're, we're not <laughs> cutting this out. This is a. Uh, I've heard that one yeah, before. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to cut it out. Yeah, yeah. Last time we had okay. a, two episodes ago, we had a special <laughs> guest that joined oh, yeah. us. And uh, that was my daughter. And she was calling me and didn't realize we were doing a podcast. And I was supposed to cut that out and we didn't. And it aired live. But oh well. So we're going to let this roll too. And we're just having a good time. And uh, you're letting this roll? Yeah, we're going to oh, let I, this roll. Okay. We're going to keep this. Okay. We're trying to, you know. Have a good time, right? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> we want that reaction on there on the podcast. So right. uh, praise the Lord. You know, it is it is good to be saved. It is Amen. good to have a Bible. It's good to study the book. And I really enjoyed our last uh, podcast about an amazing book. And we're going to pick up right there where we left off. And uh, so we got a lot to get into. And I uh, want to get into, again, where we left off last time. And that was, we were dealing with the importance of, of the words and how God has words in the Bible. Obviously, it's a book made of words, uh, but they have significant meanings and we're commanded, we're told to, we're instructed to compare spiritual things with spiritual. And Brother Brian, what we did last time is we looked at that phrase there about the knowledge of good and evil. And maybe just give us a quick, quick overview in case somebody did not watch the last podcast. And Shame we, on them. Yeah, they need to go back and watch that. Stop, hit pause right now. <laughs> go back and watch the last podcast. No, we're we're glad you're joining in on this podcast. But just to get everyone up to speed, in a two-minute synopsis, why don't you cover what we talked about in regards to the knowledge of good and evil, because this is going to tie in to what I believe this fabulous truth is we're going to look at to start off the podcast. Okay, so before this, Pastor told me that I really need to speed things up. I go way too slowly. No, quite the contrary. We looked at um, in the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve had no knowledge of good and evil. And when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they knew they were naked. They covered themselves with fig leaves. They were ashamed of their nakedness. And how that parallels with somebody who is innocent when they're a baby or somebody who just mentally isn't, you know, their IQ is very low in the 20s or 30s, whatever the case may be. And that God doesn't charge them with sin. And a baby 
It's born in the world. It's a day old or a week old. They're still sinners. They're born in Adam's image. They're fallen, Adamic nature that all of us inherit from our first father, Adam. We're all sinners. We're all fallen. That's why we need redeemed. That's why Jesus Christ died. But we were looking at how Paul said in Romans 7 that I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived. So sin was there, but it wasn't charged. Sin revived. It came alive and Paul died. And that shows, that shows us how that even though a baby is a sinner, even though right. a one-year-old child, a two-year-old child is a sinner, right. they have no knowledge of good and evil. They don't understand how their sin relates to a holy God and that they're going to face God in judgment and that Jesus Christ died for them and that they're going to go to hell. They don't understand any of that. So God doesn't charge. He doesn't impute the sin to them because there's no knowledge of good and evil. And when that knowledge comes... Yep. It's like the lights come on and they realize I'm a sinner. Yeah. I've done wrong as it relates to God, as it relates to heaven, hell, eternity, sure. judgment. And that's when they must become born again and receive the sacrifice and the free gift of God, yeah, imputation that through the blood of Jesus. But before that, they're innocent. God does not impute sin to them, Romans right. 5. And we see a beautiful picture of that in the Garden of Eden. And we right. see that through the each individual's lives. If you're a Christian, you're saved, and you got kids, and you're exposing them to the Bible, exposing them to junior church and sure. church stories, and they learn about Jesus Christ, at some point they realize, I'm going to hell. That's it. I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. Mommy, Daddy, I'm, I think I need to be saved. I, I, I'm, I might go to hell. I've lied. I've yeah. done things I shouldn't do. And... Maya um, Center too, and you know you'll see that in sure, a different age sure. for everybody. But that's what we were looking at, and just really good stuff. Yeah, absolutely, and that's gonna that's gonna tie into where I want to pick up where we left off, and and but before I do that, brother Brian, I just figured you know as as you were talking, the Lord just kind of pressed on my heart to deal with this, and maybe give some of you parents wisdom out there dealing with your children, and uh, we we emphasize the importance of this at Lighthouse Baptist Church with all the junior church teachers, and you know we're not trying to get a five year old just to repeat a prayer because Man. we want them to pray. No, we want them to realize that they're a sinner in need of a savior, and that Jesus Christ is their only hope. And and uh, again, so we deal with that. We preach the word to them. We teach them the word of God, and we pray that the Lord opens their eyes to the truth of who they are, a sinner, and they realize their need of a savior. And then they come and they trust Jesus Christ personally as their savior. Um, But it was Brother Donovan, I believe, that gave this advice back at Bible Baptist. And I was so thankful he did because again, that's where I got married and not there physically, but during that time frame, And uh, I had children there and his advice was just wonderful. And he talked about how when his children were younger, they would they would mention about wanting to be saved, right? Because they were they were trained in church. They lived their whole life in church. And so they had the terminology down and they would say, oh, dad, I want to get saved. And he said he would always just kind of try to change the subject. And uh, finally, there would come a day hmm. when the subject couldn't be changed anymore, right? So that's just kind of brief synopsis of what he mentioned. So I did that with my children. And, uh, you know, my son was the oldest and he would say, hey, uh, dad, I, I want to be saved. And he would hear a message on salvation. And I'd say, okay. And let him talk for a few minutes. And I'd say, hey, buddy, you want to go get some ice cream? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, let's go get some ice cream. And I'd never bring it back up. But there was a day one day when he said, dad, I, I believe I need to be saved. And I tried to change the subject. And he said, no, dad, I don't want to go to hell. I need to be saved. And and again, just I realized that his eyes were opened and he now knew good and evil. 
and uh, he realized that Jesus Christ was his only hope. So anyways, I just wanted to put that out there. If you, if there's any of you that have uh, young children, again, the, the goal is not to get them to repeat a prayer. The goal is for their eyes to be open to the truth of who they are, a sinner, and they must realize that Jesus Christ, the Savior, is the only hope, and they have to trust in him. So, But in regards to our study, Brother Brian, so where we left off and where I want to pick up is the fact that that baby, that young child um, is alive, the Bible says, until the law comes, then sin revives, and they die. And the point of these podcasts last week, this week, and probably the following week is just what an amazing book we have. And we know that God has phrases and words on purpose. Mm. And I like, again, just was at the King James Bible Conference not too long ago, what Kyle Stevens said, Pastor Kyle Stevens. He said, what God does is he plants flagpoles. And he says, look here. Then you're reading, starting your Bible. And you'll notice that word again. He said, there's another flagpole. And you can start putting these pieces together and learn some truth. So I want to address, and I did a whole video on this, and you can go back and watch the video, but just for a couple of minutes, I want to address the fact, will babies be raptured? Hmm. Now, obviously, Brother Brian, we, we both know or kind of the position is, we're going to look at that, but I'll be honest, and I, I don't know about you, and I'll let you, you know, kind of give your opinion. For the longest time, even when I had little children, I would constantly say, well, you know, I don't know. And there was no clear verse in my mind or heart where I was comfortable saying, yeah, babies would be raptured. And I always said, no, I don't think they will be. And that's even when I had little children. Hmm. And I think that's an important point. We ought not make the Bible teach something we want it to teach just because it affects us positively. But I was never convinced in my mind that babies would be raptured until this came to light. So I don't know, Brother Brian, maybe you have for your whole life believe, or maybe you don't. What, what was your take for a long time about babies raptured? I hate to say this. I, unless I had a take and I don't remember, as far as I know, I honestly never even thought about it. Never that's, thought about it. Yeah, that's okay. So uh, that's yeah. honest and praise the Lord. I, I think, you know, I, I had some friends that asked me, and that's probably why I thought about it more. But but let, let's look at, uh, you want to get First Thessalonians chapter 4, brother? First Thessalonians chapter 4. And I'll let Brother Brian read these passages because I want to point out some things and emphasize a few things on here. But I would say if we want to answer the question, will babies be raptured, we should go to the chapter on the rapture of the church. And when God is in Paul's writing about the Amen. rapture. So Amen. I'm going to have Brother Brian read First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 all the way to 18. And then I just want to make some comments and point out and hopefully encourage it, give you a blessing, and show you the importance of words and how this is an amazing book. So, brother, go ahead and read those for us. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds 
to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, I'm going to say something, and this is not the the uh, the proof of the doctrine, but and I don't even think Paul's necessarily even dealing with this, but I, I do remember, you know, again, having little children that weren't saved and other friends who had little children that weren't saved. And they would ask this question. And Brother Brian, I would tell you this, saying that my son, daughter would not be raptured did not bring me comfort. No, <laughs> and, good uh, point, yeah. And uh, this is supposed to be words to bring us comfort. Now, again, I wouldn't build a doctrine on that just because it didn't bring me comfort, but I'm just saying the truth is that's not very comforting, right? I'm going to be raptured, take out of here, and my kids are what? Going to starve and be killed, and it's not very comforting. Yeah. But I, I think more importantly than that is obviously how it comforts me or not is the fact that the Bible is very specific, and there's qualifiers of which group of people that God's going to bring with him that sleep, and we know that word sleep there is those who are dead, right? So there's qualifiers, and the Bible's very specific. Brother Brian, in verse 14 and verse 16, first verse 14, what is the qualifier of the group of people who are going to come back with the Lord Jesus that are asleep? There's specific words in there in verse 14. If we believe? No, I'm sorry. Look at uh, verse 14 again. Uh, that Yeah, we must believe, but for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which what? Sleep, Sleep in Jesus. Yes. Sleep in Jesus. That's what I was looking for there. So sometimes we ask each other questions and we have no idea what we're looking for. But the point is the qualifier is they sleep in Jesus, right? In Christ, you're saying? Correct. And you see that in verse 16. Look at the same thing. Read verse 16. The dead in Christ shall rise first. There we go. So those that sleep, they sleep in Jesus, and they're called the dead in Christ. Brother Brian, we know that if you're in Christ, you're saved, right? Amen. And this is why it should bring us comfort. If we have a saved loved one that has passed off into eternity, and they're with the Lord, we ought to have comfort because we know they're with the Lord. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, and Paul deals with that. So there's qualifiers about which ones who sleep, which is another word for dead, that the Lord's going to bring back with them. He's not going to bring everyone back with them, right? they got to be in yeah, Christ. Right. Got to be saved. <laughs> it's kind of like the idea of Lazarus, right? When uh, Jesus resurrected Lazarus, what would happen if he would just, yeah. <laughs> you know, so come forth from the dead? I would just listen to your rapture series. Sure. I heard you say that. And sure. That's, yeah. Come and, forth and everybody comes. Yeah, he would have came forth. Everyone. Yeah. I mean, all the dead would have came forth. And But no, he, it's, he calls Lazarus by name. And again, there's great truth to that when the Lord's going to call us by name. But but the point is, there's qualifiers. So those that are dead, or the Bible says they're asleep, they sleep in Jesus, or he says they're in Christ, the dead in Christ. Well, those that remain, there's also a qualifier. And again... The qualifier is in verse 17. So for those that are still here, for those, I'm trying to give away the word, for those that remain, what group will be raptured? According to verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain. Right. So the qualifier there. With them in is, clouds. To then we the which are alive. Alive. We which are alive. So the qualifier is. 
we which are alive. Well, this goes hand in hand with the study we just said, because who's alive? Well, we know obviously in the context, he's talking about physically alive, but obviously this is a promise to Christians. And when we got saved, our spirit was what? Quickened. Right. We're made alive in the eyes of God. But in the eyes of God, a lost person is considered what? Dead in sin. He's dead. So he's not alive. But we who are saved, we are alive, not only just physically, but spiritually unto God. But who else is alive, Brother Brian? In regards to our Paul counsel? said, I was alive without the law. That's when right. Commandment came, sin revived. That's right. And that Ephesians 2 1, you at the quicken who were dead in sins. Right. So not only is it what I'm saying, just to cut to the chase, I'm sure everyone's listening or, or uh, watching understands what I'm trying to say is not only are saved Christians alive in the eyes of God, so is every baby and child in everyone that has a mental handicap and they don't understand the knowledge of good and evil. They are alive Amen. in God. And therefore, I believe this amazing truth can only be found hmm. if you understand the importance of the words of the King James Bible. And that's why you ought not to change a single Amen. word. Because when you do, you'll start erasing these amazing truths. With all that said, that brings me comfort. Amen. That is a blessing. And to me, that's rock solid. And you say, oh, you don't want to build a doctrine on one verse. Well, there's no verse that goes against it. Mm -hmm. It's really, there's not much on the issue. And But this thing, alive and with the knowledge of good and evil, and before the commandment came, sin revived, and I died, and you have the quicken who were dead in sins. Everybody's a sinner, as an Adam all die, and wherefore is by one man. But yet when God talks about the innocent, the ones who have no knowledge of good and evil, he doesn't use that terminology. And here, those who are alive shall be caught up. But it, use any other version, you lose it. That's right. Go to the Greek, you lose it. You do, you do. King James onlyism, and it gives you great comfort, and one of the 800 or so reasons why... <laughs> Yeah, there, there's a Blessing. wonderful passage, and I, I don't know on top of my head, so we won't try to find it right now. Maybe I'll share it another time. I think it's in Joel, in Joel chapter 2, and, it, and it's basically it's talking about the second coming of the Lord and all that. Obviously, that's the context there. But it talks about... The delivered, that verse we never did find in I, Joel 2? It might no, be. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Who said but it might, on the right. <laughs> but, it, but it's very similar to that. But it talks about gather your men, your women. And then it specifically says, and your little children in the suckling. Why would it say that? My point is, the gathering together is even those little babies who are alive. And uh, uh, anyways, the <laughs> point is, God does not impute sin under those children and the mentally handicapped. And they're alive in the eyes of God. So I believe according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, for then we which are alive, and remain shall be called together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So I believe that answers the question, and not because I wanted it to, even though it is a blessing, but because the Word of God says so. So what an amazing book, brother, and uh, I, I think that's just a, a valuable truth that we can learn by understanding the importance of this book and realizing what amazing Bible we have. Amen. So uh, I just wanted to get that out there. I know we left off and I alluded to it, so I wanted to address it as we begin this podcast. But we got a whole bunch more for you, 
And uh, I, again, I pray that you uh, share this podcast, you like it, you subscribe to uh, the YouTube channel, whatever it is, get the get the word out, and we appreciate you tuning in. But with that said, Brother Brian, why don't we uh, just just uh, some other amazing facts, amazing things about this Bible. Let's go with some of those. Hey, man, I have a bunch of rapid-fire things, just amazing truths and different word studies. And the first one, Daniel 2.45, I'll read it to you. Of course, this is the famous image, and Nebuchadnezzar had heartburn and bad pizza or whatever, and he couldn't get to sleep. And he had a, he had a crazy dream with a head of gold and the arms and that represents different kingdoms, and there's nobody to interpret it, and that's where Daniel comes in, and that's the context here. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands. Mm. So there's this big image and it represents the Gentile kingdoms. And then the stone comes and destroys the whole thing and fills the whole earth. And of course, we know the stone is Jesus Christ and that's the millennium. And he takes over and reigns king of kings, Lord of lords, praise the Lord. And uh, so it's the stone cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. The dream is certainly interpretation thereof sure. So I, I just did a word study or notice the thing without hands, mm. and it, just, it occurs five, six times. I just, I'm just going to point out where it occurs, but you look at what it says about it. It's amazing. So Jesus Christ is made without hands. Mm. I have a few other ones. Daniel 8, the Antichrist. It says he'll be cut off without hand. Wow. Job 34 talks about when God kills a man without hands. Colossians 2. Do you know what that one is? About without hands? Yes. Should. The... Go ahead. I can't. <laughs> I know what it is, but I, I can't uh, quote it off hands. Well, it's the circumcision made yeah, without right, hands. Right, right. What we call spiritual circumcision. Of course, we know what physical circumcision was and what that did. Sure. But in the New Testament, we have spiritual circumcision. It's the circumcision made without hands. It's a sword, some kind of a knife or cutting tool. Maybe perhaps it's the word of God, which Mm. is sharper than any two-edged sword. Perhaps. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirits and joints and marrow. So God comes in. It's called an operation in Colossians 2. And he cuts the soul loose from the flesh, spiritually circumcised without hands. It's not a physical thing. It's good. And now sin doesn't affect my soul and I'm sinless and I can't sin. And there's one more, Mark 14, 58. This is a nugget on its own, but I incorporated it with this. I don't know if I've ever shown you this. You might have seen this. Mark 14, 58. <coughs> Excuse me. This is a good one for the hypers. Now, this verse doesn't necessarily have to be true, but I think there's no reason this verse is not true. This is the trial of Jesus Christ, and this is witnesses, what they say Jesus said. But I think it could be true, and this is only in Mark. Remember, Jesus Christ said, destroy this temple. Three days, I'll raise it up. That's, that's all we read about in John chapter 2. But look at these witnesses. Here's what they say. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple. <coughs> and I'm going to leave something out. And within three days, I will build another. Okay. He, here's what they say. This is only a mark. I will destroy this. They're saying Jesus said this. And I think Jesus probably said this. Sure. I will destroy this temple that is made with hands. Now, that's not in the John 2 account. But they said Jesus said that. He could have said that. There's no sure. reason. 46 years was this in building. And within three days, I will build another made without hands. Mm. 
If that's true, it's, sure. it doesn't have to be, but it definitely could be. Yeah. He's talking about the body of Christ, the church. That's good. That's nowhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Right. I think a bunch of John, I'm teaching life through life of Christ, a bunch of John matches with Paul with belief and not of works and faith and believe, 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 eternal, he that heareth my word hath eternal life. But the body of Christ, the mystery, now you got the, he talks about the spirit. And, sure. Anyway, getting off track there. But they said, Jesus said, I'm going to destroy this temple made with hands and build a new one without hands. And it shows you the timing of the church, too. Well, I guess it could have been when he breathed on him. And re- but that's, sure. that's a different debate. Sure, sure, but sure. that's just one of the little nuggets on without hands. And that's every time that term occurs. I think it's kind of neat. And I think, uh, as you said a few times, <clears throat> that's uh, something I've never heard of. I learned something tonight. And uh, that is an amazing truth. Uh, you just study those phrases without hands or that phrase without hands and man those little nuggets that god will illuminate god will show you and i really like that one i really like that one there in mark 14 it's uh amen uh just a wonderful truth what else you got for us times and seasons occurs three times that phrase times and seasons together occurs three times it occurs in daniel 2 and they're all three just amazing and they're i they make fun of me. I always say familiar passage, and it's not always necessarily yeah. too familiar, but Everything I'm going to say they're all familiar passages. Everything is familiar passages <laughs> with Brother Brian. But, but that's okay, brother. I'm glad uh, that you are familiar with the Bible. It's better than being foreign to you. So uh, I pray that uh, all these passages are more familiar to me one day. All right, Daniel 2.21. And he changeth the times and the seasons. This is God talking about talking to Nebuchadnezzar. Right. He removeth kings, setteth up kings, giveth wisdom unto the wise. It says that God changes the times and the seasons. So that's a great truth we learn. Sure. And this has to do with the second advent. This has to do with the dispensationalism and the church. I think it has to do with a lot of, it could sure. at least have to do with a lot of things, but it says God changes them. And that might go with the, except he sh- the days be shortened. Sure. Yeah. And I'll just kind of rattle off. The one is Acts chapter 1. Jesus Christ, he dies for our sins, was buried, rose again the third day, and then he's with them on earth for 40 days. And he makes different appearances and all that. And then he ascends up to heaven in Acts chapter 1. And he tells the disciples, you know, tarry in Jerusalem, wait for to do with power from on high. And they said, Lord which if he didn't come to build a kingdom, this makes no sense. A physical kingdom, Jewish, dispensational, no church, all that kind of thing. Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Mm. And do you know what he told them? Yes. It's not for you to To know the times and the seasons. Yes. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Yeah. And I think part of that probably is because it was still kind of in flux. It could have gone either way. Sure. And uh, I think... amazing. uh, when you give them the third reference, you can kind of see and correlate the times and seasons all to a certain time and season. And they all have to kind of do with the tribulation, right? I mean, the kingdom, coming the kingdom. Well, the last point is probably was set then, right? the last reference. Sure. But in Daniel, he could change it. Right. In Acts, it was still in flux. Sure, and that's Elijah good. Elijah can be him, but he, right. John the Baptist might not be. Which is a wonderful study in itself from great truth. <laughs> and so where, where's the third reference? First Thessalonians five. Yeah. Where you got the rapture in chapter four and 
pre-trib. It just opens up, this kind of stuff just opens up all these different stuff. And the Bible is just an endless well. It's an endless thing. It's a doc says it's a, it's a circle. It just sure. never ends. You could live to be 900, Methuselah, 969 years old and still not even come close. But First Thessalonians 5, verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. Hmm. So... And of course, it goes on, verse 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. <clears throat> and of course, uh, I believe without a doubt, you continue reading this context, verse 3, For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. I mean, you can't miss those cross-references. This is obviously tribulation, and coming as a thief in the night, obviously, is the second advent. And again, so that's what I was alluding to, and you raise a good point about this. You just study this times and seasons out in Daniel talks about how God can change the times and seasons. And then in Acts, the apostles are asking to restore the kingdom, physical kingdom, kingdom of heaven. And then he told them there, what did he say again there? That He said, what are you talking about? You, yeah. We've been preaching the death, burial, resurrection for three and a half years. What are you talking about? Right. The kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Right. But just to add something else, do you think that has any connection? And why don't, we haven't talked about this. With Jesus says, no man knoweth the day or the hour, not even the son. Mm. No, I believe the son today knows. Sure. I believe in John the Revelator, he knew then. Sure. But maybe this possibility, uh, during his earthly ministry, he didn't know because it was man's free will and then you get into Calvinism. Yeah. Do you believe that? I, or well, I don't know. I, I do believe, as you've alluded to a couple times here in the broadcast and kind of thrown out there is there, man, obviously we, we agree with this, man has a free will and there is obviously an offering of the kingdom. Uh, we know John the Baptist preached it and the disciples preached it, uh, but repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. And obviously there was an offering there, but the Jews rejected Jesus Christ. And therefore God breaks off that natural branch. He engrafts the wild branch of us to provoke the Jews back Amen. to jealousy. And now we know that it's the kingdom of God, a spiritual kingdom. So there's no doubt there, there was a, option there's an opportunity a true offering to the nation of israel to receive their messiah but they didn't so yes there there was that's probably why he said it's not for you to know the times and season he's waiting to see what they do what yeah, they offer that's right? amazing that's fascinating you look there in acts chapter 7 the lord is standing and i don't think he's standing just to receive a martyred saint the bible says uh, what does it talk about? The judge standeth. That's Isaiah. Yeah. It's Psalm 110. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand right. until until I make my enemies my footstool, second advent. Yeah. So he's standing because he's, I believe he's literally ready to open those seals, ready to do judges, hmm. ready to come back and all the things, the possibility. And, and again, you, you alluded to it, but the whole fact of how John the Baptist could have been the fulfillment of Elijah but because the Jews rejected, then Elijah has to come. If you will receive it, this is Elias, which yeah. was for to come. Right. It says he's Elijah. Then it says he's not Elijah. And then Jesus is like, hey, he, he is Elijah if you receive it. If you There's receive so it. much. I don't know what a Calvinist does with that. Yeah. He just spiritualizes all of it. Exactly. And of course, <laughs> you understand exactly. Uh, we, we talked about a little bit. The prophecy there, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, Matthew 3, 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. He's preparing 
right? The hearts of the nation of Israel receive the Messiah. Well, that's all a fulfillment or, or a prophecy concerning Malachi 3, Malachi chapter 4. And again, that's those two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11. But it all has to do with the second advent and the coming of the Lord. So, yes, I, I do think, obviously, mm. uh, there was opportunities there. They rejected. So now if you follow this thing through, it's amazing. Again, just to recap this and then we'll move on. God said he changes the times and seasons. He told the disciples, it's not for you to know the times and seasons. And then we get here to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. <laughs> and he says, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord. Completely opposite what he told the, <laughs> the apostles. You know, Brother Brian, what I also think that just shows. Yeah, I'm thinking the same maybe progressive revelation and how God reveals truth over time. We have the complete written word of God. We know things now. I know this will blow some people's minds away. That the apostles in Acts 1 didn't know. <laughs> I know that's not very profound for us, but for some, that's a very profound thought. Amen. But anyways, so what, what a wonderful little just nugget when you study just those words, times and seasons. And it sounds kind of pre-trib. Why, why would he say, I have no need to write any of you? Right. Jesus sure talked about it to him. The Olivet Discourse and sure. Old Testament's all full of it. And the book of Revelation's all full of instructions for them. And Paul's like, I don't need to write to you about it. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, because we're going up. Amen. Before. And, and again, uh, with that, if you just consider that thought, he writes in First Thessalonians chapter 4, obviously, um, he's talking to them about the rapture of the church. 13 through 18. Mm. We just got done discussing that. Yeah. And then the very next things, he talks about the times and the seasons, and he goes into the day of the Lord, and the, they shall say peace and safety and sudden destruction shall come upon them as travailed upon a woman with child. And obviously, we're right now we're in the tribulation. But the rapture was right before it, chapter 4. We talked about the layouts of the book, mm. sometimes just a layout of the chapter, and he's dealing with the rapture of church in chapter 4. Then he's dealing with the second advent in chapter 5. And then you get down to that wonderful, blessed promise in verse 9, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but attained salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. See, God has not appointed us to this time frame that he's writing about. Right. And boy, what truths we can just continue to continue to go down this road just by simply looking at times and seasons. Anything else in regards to that? That's good. Good That's, stuff. Good yeah. stuff. There's all kinds of stuff. How about... Uh, Wanted, let's talk about some Bible numerics a little, little bit. I, I love Bible numerics. Um, let me say this as we get into this a little bit. We're just going to talk for a few moments about Bible numerics. I know some people have the wrong idea when we as Bible believers talk about numerology and Bible numerics. We're not talking about like, you know, take the word of God, put it in a computer processor and withdraw every fourth word and create some sentences and you're going to get some mystery code. That, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that's what, what I that's what you thought. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I got a whole no, you got a whole study it. on that. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and it's not some just abstract thought. We're talking about what the Bible says about numbers and what the Bible reveals about numbers. And and again, of course. I'm a Bible believer. You're a Bible believer. I believe even the chapter and number versings are by the hand of God and they're, you know, God wants them there. They have serve a purpose. And if you study those things out, you'll learn some valuable truths. So, but Brother Brian, why don't you just give us just some things, top of your head and on your heart about 
Bible numbers, Bible numerics, or anything? What do you think? Yeah, but Bible numbers are amazing. Uh, Triskaidekaphobia, of course. Yeah. The fear of number 13. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, brother. And I didn't mean to interrupt you, but think about that. The world has a phobia of the number 13 and black cats mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh why don't you why don't you expound a little bit about the number yeah, 13? a lot of that stuff in the world is grounded from the bible and of course hollywood and music sure. and satanist and album covers they, they get stuff from the bible it's inspired of god or the devil or something and uh we yeah, 13 friday the 13th mm-hmm. is a six six day of the week friday mm-hmm. 13th and then of course the mark Mark of the Beast and the number of the beast is 666, which we'll get into later what six is, but that's in Revelation 13. And the word sinners first occurs in Genesis 13, verse yeah. 13. The yeah. men of Sodom were sinners and wicked, exceeding or something. Yeah. I think Exodus 13 talks about uh, breaking an ass's neck and redeeming an ass, but if you don't redeem it, break his neck. Leviticus 13, you know what that happens to be about? Leviticus 13? Yes. No, sir. What is it? Leprosy. Leprosy. Well, that's good. It's 40. Leviticus 13 and 14, I think, are 100 verses combined on leprosy, a type of sin and a type of the mark, and it gets in your clothes and all that kind of thing. Numbers 13, that's where the spies, where God's like, all right, you wandered 40 days. I'll make it each day for a year. You're going to wander for 40 years. Mm. That's in Numbers 13. And I could go on and on and on. First Samuel thirteen. That's when God's like, "All right, you were you were done with uh, the king." Or they they choose uh, Samuel. I mix mix those names up. Saul as a right. king. And I could go on and on and on. There's so many thirteens, and they're amazing. And so let me. I'm add, sure you got a bunch of thirteen nuggets. Well, I'll just add a couple nuggets in there. <laughs> so, uh, do you know the first time the word thirteen shows up in the Bible? Actually, not not the number, but the, actually the says, word thirteenth, yeah. isn't that? Oh, the thirteenth year they rebelled. Yep, Genesis fourteen. Okay, I knew it was 14. verse four. Throwing me off. Yep, and you can go ahead and read that Genesis fourteen verse four. And again, you have a, and this is what we mean. I I, I bring this out. Obviously, Brother Brian's wonderful, and he has some Bible quiz, and he does a great job, so that's why I put him on the spot there. He asks me questions. I just get them wrong, and that's okay. He challenges me to study the Bible more. Oh, but, but in verse 14, so this is what I mean by how the Bible tells us what numbers mean. And here's a good example of that. Well, Brother Brian reads this. i got one other nugget on 13, then I'll give something on numerology. But yeah, go ahead and read that. All right, 12 years they serve. This fellow is from Wisconsin, Cheddar Laomer. Get it, Cheddar? Yeah, yeah. All right. Good one. They're not all good. Some of them aren't. Okay. And in the 13th year, they rebelled. Mm, 13. Connected with sin. Again, Genesis 13. That's verse 13 too, right? Yes. 13, 13. They rebelled and they were sinners exceeding. I'm sorry. They were sinners exceedingly. And then Genesis 14, verse 4, where it says 13, they rebelled. First time. Yeah. yeah it's the first time it shows up. So another little nugget there is Judas Iscariot, the one who betrays Jesus Christ. His name has 13 letters in it. Yeah, Judas Iscariot. Yeah, and he rebelled, and he's a sinner exceedingly. Son of so, perdition. Yeah, yeah. So How about Galatians 3.13? Christ's death redeemed us from the curse of the law. 1 Kings 13 
I think there's some kind of a young prophet, and he goes and preaches, and there's an old man of God, and then he gets eaten by a lion, devil. Mm. That's that's not good. Yeah. I got Matthew 13. That's when the kingdom offer is there, and then they blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Ooh, yeah. And then Matthew 13, you got the seven parables of the kingdom of heaven, where the kingdom of heaven enters mystery form. Yeah. Jesus is like, I'm done with you guys. I'm going to speak in parables. You're not even going to know what's going on, and they don't know what's going on. That's good in stuff. Matthew 13. So a lot of stuff on the number 13. Again, just what amazing book. I'll uh, throw one out that I uh, had mentioned recently, posted recently. But I was just studying the Bible, brother, and just reading and contemplating different things. And, you know, every once in a while, the Lord will just show you something. And I, I didn't read this in a book. I've never heard anyone say this. And so take it with a grain of salt. I'm not even going to you know, die in the mountain of this. But uh, <laughs> but I, I was just, you know, contemplating and wasn't even thinking about numerology or anything. And this is how sometimes God just will show you something and put on your heart and mind. But obviously you have Genesis chapter 3 here and... Uh, you know, the serpent, uh, the devil here deceives Eve. And then I got to verse five and the Bible says, this is obviously the serpent speaking. It says, for God doth know in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. And it just kind of clicked. I mean, man is a trying being. He's a three part, three in one, a spirit, a soul, and a body made after the image of God. We'll probably talk about more of that later. And then five is the number of death. And it just like dawned on me, man, this is the devil's plan was to destroy, was to kill man and bring death to the spirit, to the soul, in the body of man. So three, Genesis three, the number of the triune God, the Godhead. Five, the number of death. Hmm. Certain, the serpent carries out his plan to bring death into the world by deceiving Eve. So just little things there, Genesis 3, 5. Death to the three. And that will lead me to the next one I wanted to bring up, and I'll go through this quickly. And of course, in verse 6, which 6 is the number of man, talk about that in a moment, <laughs> she actually, what does it say, verse 6? And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree did be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So here's the downfall of man in Genesis 3. Again, man is a triune being. Verse 6. And before I uh, get into the number 6, just real quickly, it's one of my favorite ones. There's a lot mm -hmm. of easy facts to rattle off. But you know what's interesting about this verse, Brother Brian, is the woman saw, Eve, she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Now, mm -hmm. I understand that how this is typically preached, and, and there's a lot of truth in there, right? The threefold temptation, right? Mm -hmm. What are those? World flesh devil. World flesh devil, right? Lust of eyes, pride of life. What's the last one? Lust of eyes, pride of life. Lust of other things. Yeah. And uh, so you have the threefold devil. But but here's what's interesting. In Genesis chapter 2, look what it says in verse 9. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight huh. and good for food. Every single tree in that garden was pleasant to sight and good for food. 
There's only one thing different about this tree. And uh, this shows you really where the devil works. Never seen this. Yeah. Shows you where the devil works. Yeah. With your mind and pride and making you wise as gods. That was the real I temptation. I will be like the most high. Yeah. That's what that's where he is, Isaiah 14. Mm. That's the real temptation. Because every tree was pleasant to the eye. Yeah, I never every noticed tree that. was good for food. <laughs> but there's one thing that this tree could do that the other trees could not do. And I think that's so profound. I think there's so much yeah, truth in, awesome. in those two verses. All right, so just take can't that one. Can't stop there. <laughs> can't stop there. That's our problem. We get elaborating, yeah, and right. then especially you're like, wow, i never yeah. seen that. And we're going to talk about it. four minutes into this. Wow. I know, it's time's flying. That's okay. That's amazing. Uh, but let's. Uh, I just want to go over number six real quick. Okay. So we, we know, obviously, six <laughs> is the number of man. We know that. Several reasons. Obviously, Revelation 13, 18, Brian already referenced it. You have 13 number of rebellion, and then you have 18, that's 666. And the Bible says that that number is the number of man, right? 666 is the number of man. Why is that? Well, God created man on what? Sixth day. The sixth day. Man was to labor for how many days? Six. Six, yeah, I think so. And those Jews, <laughs> those Jews, when they planted crops, were supposed to plant crops for how many years, Brother Brian? Six years. And then on the seventh, they're supposed to give it rest. Now they didn't. Ooh, that's a nugget there. Ooh, they didn't. And guess what God ended up doing? <laughs> I never arrived at Oh, that's neat. Yeah, that's yeah, really that's good neat, there. Man. But uh, anyways, talk about 70 that. times seven, that's all I'm going to say. There you go. And there's <laughs> a profound truth to that. Right. Too. It's not just a number Jesus picked out of nowhere. Yeah, it has to do with that land. It has to do with rest and, and the Lord forgiving them, maybe, <laughs> about something they didn't do. Uh, but anyways, uh, so what else? <laughs> Sixth book of the Old Testament is the book of? Joshua. Joshua's the first book named after man. man. Joshua has six letters in it. In his name. Yeah, I think that maybe. Turn that up. How about <laughs> in the New Testament? What's the sixth book of the New Testament? Romans, man. Yeah, Romans, man. <laughs> Something like Biden, man. Yeah. It's the only book with the word man in it, and it also has how many letters? Six. 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 Yeah, six, not seven. Six. Again, sixth book of the New Testament. And I really like this one. Romans chapter six, verse six, the sixth word, guess what it is? Man. Man. But Romans six, chapter six, the sixth word is man. And again, we can keep going with these truths about the number six. Um, I also like to throw out some just uh, worldly figures, worldly facts, because this world is controlled by this book and they don't even know it. Mm-mm. And uh, you say, like, what? Well, there's 60 seconds in a minute. There's, what else is six is here? 60 seconds in a minute. And 60 minutes in an hour. 60 minutes in an hour. Yep, that's why I was drawing a blank there. I was having a little brain freeze there. And then uh, another one I like is when you die, Brother Brian, they're going to bury you how far? Six feet under. Six feet under. Now, I've studied that out, and they say there's some formula and this and that and why they do it. That might be all true, but guess what? Six is the number of man, and they're going to bury you six feet deep. Average man is six feet. Yeah. Maybe 5'10 or 5'9, whatever. Yeah, no, it's it is. closer to six than yeah, five. No, the average height of a man is, is six. I think someone can type in if this is true or not. I think man has six liters of blood in him, too. The average is there, but uh, that's 
just what I'm trying to recall. So anyways, there's other numbers about another facts about the number six, but six is the number, man. I got a fun one. Yeah, go if for I it. I may. Second Samuel 18, 18, which is six, 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 <laughs> six, six, six. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and reared up for himself a pillar, which is in the king's dale. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. And he called the pillar after his own name. And it, it is called unto this day Absalom's place. So Absalom, of course, type of the Antichrist. Mm. Ab, Abba, Father, mm. Shalom, Ab, Shalom, Father of Peace, Antichrist, Peace. peace he goes peace. against David, type of Christ, mm. and he goes to his own place, Judas, Acts yeah. 1, at 666666, six, 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 second table. But you just make things there. I think uh, the greatest on this, on this subject, numerology, and, and it's so good that mm. a lot of it's just over my head, but yeah. uh, get some books by Kevin Mann. Man. He's just got some fantastic books. What's on, his last uh, name? Man. <laughs> Six. Man. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think it's funny. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we were just but, talking about man, the number right, man, right, and right. this guy's name's man. Yeah, I get it. I amen. Get, yeah, amen, amen. But he's got some wonderful books on numerology. I mean, just, I mean, he's got book after book after book, just fantastic books, and Again, we're just scratching the surface, as I uh, mentioned to someone not too long ago. Some people will love this. Some people will hate this. But I believe if you don't consider this, you're going to sell yourself short on biblical truths that God wants to show you. Now, as I also said, you don't build a Bible doctrine and try to seek out some hidden truth. Now, what you do is you build sound Bible doctrine and what you'll find out is these numbers and numerology will support that sound Bible doctrine. And if it doesn't support sound Bible doctrine, throw it out. Yeah. But if it does, then you can say, man, that is amazing. So with that said, I'll conclude with my thoughts, unless you have some other ones on numerology. One of my favorites on it is obviously we know Revelation 13, verse 18. That's not where I'm going, but Revelation 13, 18, the, the mark of the beast and all that is connected with 666, the Antichrist. There's a couple places in the Bible where this shows up, but one of them is John chapter 6. John chapter 6, mm. the Lord Jesus Christ <laughs> is giving those that are around him, his disciples and others, he's given them a hard saying, something that's not easily to be understood. Sometimes we have hard sayings in our lives and maybe it's not the Bible, maybe it's bad news, maybe it's health and we have some hard sayings. And I do believe like this, they test us, they try us. And as I always say, you don't have a testimony if you don't have a test. And this no doubt was a test here to those that were following Jesus Christ, and you get to John chapter 6, and he's talking about, you know, uh, verse 54, whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I'll raise up up at um, the last days. And of course, we dealt with this, and we, we said there, this is yeah, not the Eucharist. <laughs> this is not some transubstantiation that, uh, you know, some holy father performs by saying some magical words in Latin and transforming one substance into another. That's not what this is. He tells them in verse 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. Amen. So he's, he's not. this is not literal, this is not physical. He's not literally saying, eat my blood and drink my 
uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Nor was he literally telling the woman at the well that he's literally water and you got to take a cup of him and drink him. And But you get this from the context. But they don't understand this. And what you find out in verse 60 says, Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And again, brethren, I just encourage you, there's going to be some hard sayings in your life, maybe again, circumstances, or maybe when you're reading and studying the word of God. But it's a test. Now, here is the profound truth. John 6, 66. Why don't you read that? John 6, 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Mm, isn't that interesting? John 6, 6, 6. Because of a hard saying, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. I pray that when hard sayings come in your life, whether it be studying the word of God and can't figure things out, whether it be circumstances, that that is not true. I know Peter gets a bad rap often, but why don't you go ahead and read uh, the rest yeah. of this and kind of elaborate as you see fit. Amen. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of Amen. eternal life. And then Peter wrote in 1 Peter one twenty three, Being born again, not of corruptible yes. seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son mm -hmm. of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve and one? Uh-oh, twelve and one. What's happened to be there? Mm -hmm. And one of you is a devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the mm -hmm. son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. So, Good stuff there. Amen, so, good stuff. I would just say encourage you to be like Peter and... When you have those hard sayings in your life and you know, you're considering where will I go? Answer like Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Yeah. And uh, again, the point of this podcast is simply, especially, well, all of it, but we're focusing on last podcast, this one, and we're going to have to wrap up today. I cannot believe how quick the time has flown, but that's okay. We'll have another week, maybe two more weeks on an amazing book. What, what This Bible is an amazing book. But again, I hope you cling to the word of God like Peter did. Brethren, where are you going to go? You're going to go back to the world? You go back to the devil? I hope not. I pray that you can say like Peter. I tried that. It doesn't work. Yeah, amen, brother. It doesn't. <laughs> I, I would say, what did you say, Brother Brian? The most miserable person yeah. on the face of the earth is the backslidden Christian. See, yes. the lost person. They don't know any better. They don't know any better. They haven't tasted. They don't have the light, the glorious gospel. And obviously, a Christian who's serving God in the will of God has that peace and joy and purpose, and they're excited about the things of God. But that backslidden Christian, they're miserable. Mm. I was there for a few years, unfortunately. So, yeah, I know what it's like. So with that said, <laughs> we pray that this podcast, not just this episode, not just the last but all of them are a blessing to you. They encourage you. And uh, we just pray that again, that you would like and share, that you would uh, let other people know about the Word of a King podcast. Uh, Brother Brian, any, any final words? Yes, a couple of little quick hitters. Yeah, go ahead. Pa 
the 13 thing is all throughout. You can't get rid of it. But I have a little theory, something I've noticed that kind of goes against the grain, that maybe for the church age doctrine, the 13 doesn't apply. The Triskaidekaphobia curse is removed temporarily, at least. Mm. Paul, the 13th apostle, wrote 13 epistles. Those aren't bad. Those are good things. And then 1 Corinthians 13 has mm. 13 verses, and that's about the most positive yeah. chapter you can get in the whole Bible on charity, charity, Amen. charity, charity, Amen. charity. Also, six, the number of man. I've heard it said, though, I don't know, you'd probably know more than I do, that 11 is judgment. I don't know if that's clear. Or, yeah. But 66 books in the Bible, six times 11, got man is judged. Sure. And then one last one. We're all we're waiting for the rapture. We're looking for the rapture. But then Mr. 666 is going to come on the scene. Yeah. But before he, Mr. 666 comes, you'd have probably had Mr. 555 in history, right? Sure. Look it up. And I, I did this in in churches, I had which I shouldn't have done because then they were on their phone the whole time in Sunday school. I heard Dr. Ruckman say this, and I try not to believe everything I hear, so I looked it up myself. Take Google, do image search, look up Hitler's Austrian ID card. So I got to put Hitler's Austrian ID card because I heard somebody say this, and I wanted to make sure. And you'll see Google image search of Hitler's Austrian ID card. His number is 555. Wow. The last world ruler who was like just wreaking havoc was and Adolf Hitler 555 persecuting those Jews persecuting the Jews the next man, man is Mr. 666 wow so we're waiting for the rapture we're not waiting for 666 if you're lost you can wait for him or whatever you want to do we pray you get saved <laughs> yes get saved but if not you'll read uh, Revelation and get yeah. some help maybe but yeah Mr. 666 he's next he's next up on the list well that is so. a good note to end our broadcast time <laughs> and uh, <laughs> praise the Lord we're looking for our blessed hope <laughs> But uh, we do pray that these podcasts would encourage you, they would challenge you, and they would be a blessing. Until next time, we pray that you would fall in love with this book, love your Savior and serve Him, and God bless. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding.